0: So you'll see the setup looks a little bit different, a uh, little bit less ch- chairs. So if you don't know, uh, Tuesday is a public holiday. Yeah, Tuesday is a public holiday. So uh, some of us have to uh, take leave tomorrow, some of us have to work. Sorry for those who have to work. Um, but obviously with it being a long weekend, a little bit less people. Uh, and we yeah, just want to make it nice and intimate tonight as we discover God's word. Um, as I said, we've got the privilege of having the Rittendale Church here. So this is Ainu. Him and his wife, Chanel, they lead the Rittendale uh, Church. And yeah, we're so thankful that you guys are uh, serving us tonight. Um, so we want to ask a couple of questions, just to hear your, your insights around what's happening in Rittendale. So let's, let's start off at the very beginning. How did it happen? How did the church plant happen in Rittendale? Very, very beginning.
1: <laughs> I guess you, <clears throat> uh, my wife and I, we drove to the mut. And we were like Yeah yeah. <laughs> like a like a voice in muet. Um and um I guess we were just we just had a heart for for um this is this is where we need to plant, this is where we need to go. And my wife and I and one other couple um actually started off and we just had a connect group and we started like that.
0: Mm. That's incredible. Yeah just uh to to see how God ch- shapes your heart and, and it, yeah, just uh, infuses your, your love for the, the area um, and how, how he calls that. So just what are the, some, some of the things that you guys can celebrate uh, as the Rittendale Church? What, what has God been, uh, what has he been doing uh, through the church last couple of years?
1: Well, we, I think uh, for churches we survived COVID, which was uh, fantastic. It's not, it's not something that every church can say. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I think that God's, by God's grace, we actually, in COVID, for some reason, our numbers grew. grew. I say for some reason because I, I, in the back of my mind, I know what it was. It was people that kept on reaching out. Um, and, and so we know that that's probably the reason. But very grateful for that. There's a side to um, we, um, uh, we moved into a venue, which was um, a little restaurant, and they gave it to us for super cheap, and it was nice, and there was a waterfall, and all of that. And I mean, that was great. Sorry, Um, guys, we don't have waterfall. I say waterfall because my sons, they literally, when they talk about church, they would say Spielkerk. Spielkerk is Willows because there's a play park. They would say Skoolkerk, which is Linwood. That's where we are from. And they would say uh, Waterfallkerk, which is this one now. We are now Waterfallkerk. Um, And uh, so, yes, and then this venue, uh, they sold their venue, and now we are kind of without a venue, and so on the one hand, we are, how do you say, we're between venues, let's say that, and so we are in the park. Brilliant. Outside. Yes, which is, it sounds cool, it's kind of weird when you're there though, and there's just you guys and the speakers up there, and you're preaching into the park, and there's random people walking by, um, but uh, I think those are some of our big celebrations. It's a, it's a celebration that we can do that, um, yeah.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And what are some of the things that you guys are trusting God for as a church? A venue,
1: yeah. and a Makes venue, sense. and a, um, I think, uh, obviously, the moment we have things like a venue in place and we've got our discipleship um, uh, running as it should be to actually have an eldership that we can um, uh, have and have the people that are already standing up as elders um, to be elders and we are trusting for... um, some uh, leaders that are non-white leaders. And we actually have a, quite a good mix um, of people. So it's not a, we don't have to go look. They are right there. And uh, so that's an amazing thing is a bunch of guys standing up. I already have four names of guys that I can literally just call upon in our congregation, which is great. Um, it's just to break that stigma. Um, uh, yes. Absolutely. That's so good. So
0: we, we want to pray for the Rittendale Church Show. Uh, yeah, let's, let's stretch out our hands as we pray for, for Anu and the team. Yeah, God, thank you for what you are doing in Rittendale, Lord. Thank you that you've commissioned them uh, to serve that community, Lord. And um, Thank you for what you are doing in and through them as a church, Lord. And we just declare your blessing over them, Lord. We, we declare your favor over the venue that they are looking for. Lord, we, yeah, we just honor you for the leaders that, that are standing up. And uh, Lord, we pray for yeah, just people to submit under them. Um, and God, thank you that we can declare that you are building your church. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we've got the privilege of sharing the word tonight, so I'm going to give over to him.
1: Awesome. Perfect. All right, so what we're going to try and do is we're going to try and, um, I think we might somehow break up into groups and like do the scripture together. Um, So let me first maybe just uh, say hello. I'm Hainu. Yes. Note number one, check. Okay. Note number two, oh, family. Yes. There's my family. Picture my is not there. The password is QWER. Don't tell anyone. Thank you. Is it all there? Yes. Okay, there it is. Um so there's my family. Yes, on the right-hand side is Chanel. Most of those kids are mine. So <laughs> yes, um, some of them are here at are they playing? Okay, that's okay. Um, I've got a, I've got a Jandre and I've got a marshal, and I've got a zander, and that's just some of my, my brothers are at the, at the top with their wives, and also some, uh, they all have kids as well, and um, yes, we're very, very blessed. I mean, eh, in some cultures they say you're rich, some cultures. Um, and here is uh, Rittendale in the park. Oh yes, there's like. Yeah, camping out vibes in the park. There's Jed actually talking. What now? You're not there. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Jed from the Philippines, by the way. If you came to the discipleship conference, you would have seen one of the um, Filipino guys. He's the guy preaching there. And so, what we tried to do is we started off actually going up the mountain, Machalis Mountain, there in, in the Muert. And um, we did a Sermon on the Mount, which is like a Christian joke for we're going to read from Matthew and do the, Christ, the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. I think there's our photo. This is us up in the mountain with all of our camping chairs, the, our table with communion. Um, there's so leading worship. There's a little, you can't really see, but there's a pond here to the right hand side. And so this is just us um, worshiping God. I think this is... <clears throat> In line with what I want to share, in line with what we're talking about, it's kind of the idea of, of church and how how we've, um, how we've defined church by, by our own lenses. And so depending where you're from, you, you probably have an idea. If I say church, you've got like a picture in your mind of, of what church is. It's the same with like God. Like when I think God then I think of this old man with a long white beard. I don't know about you guys. When I think about Jesus, there's a specific picture of Jesus that I remember from a little book that I had when I was a kid. And so when I think Jesus, that's the picture I see in my mind. And so the same with 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 church. We were driving in, in Mossel Bay. Um, if you know Mossel Bay, uh, in the main street, you kind of come down the hill, there's a beautiful church to your right. Um, I'm not actually sure which church it is, but it's a beautiful, it's probably like a, That's Reformed or something like that. And we're sitting in the car and my one son says, um, he looks out the window and he says, hey, Dad, look at that cool school. And I'm thinking, what a rookie. It's not a school, it's a church. You can see it's a church. But in his mind... He is going to a school that's part of a church with a big, large church building. So they've got like a little creche there. And so in his mind, that is school. Like the church building is where the school is. And, and 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 when I ask my sons, tell me about church, their picture of church is much different than mine. Right. So when I think about church, I'm thinking about like pews and people and, you know, what do we do at church? We sing and we so and so and so. Now, you remember that that game that you would play, like like Cops and Robbers, or um, uh, Cowboys and Indians, or you'd play Doctor, Doctor, and you'd tell a child, all right, let's play Doctor, Doctor. They all kind of have an idea how to play Doctor, Doctor. Now, if you had to ask your child, play church, what would they be doing, and how close to what we're doing is that, and should it be? Right, we as people of the church, many times we we start playing church. We start reverting. It's like we go into a, a sixth gear, and we're like, "All right, I know what to do. I know how this goes." And I'm this is okay. And then this comes next, and this comes next, and we did church. And so when you go home, you're like, "Yeah, we did church. I did it right." I did it the way the children would have done it. That's what they would have done. There was somebody preaching, there was somebody this, there was somebody that. We had communion. There was, I don't know, like wine, or if I'm guessing you guys have like red juice um, because you're super Christians. And then there's um, like a little biscuit, and you're like, okay, we're doing communion that way. But do you understand what communion is? It's having a communal meal together. And, eat, and, and it's the, 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 there's a hard part, that's the flesh, and then there's a drink part, that's the blood. But you know you could actually do this with like stony and a half loaf of white bread. You know you could do it. It wouldn't be heresy. It wouldn't be heresy if you had communion with Coke and like a lunch bar. Like it wouldn't, because in your culture, in what you would do, that's how you would have communion. The fact that you do the little sappiki and the little bruikiki, and I'm not saying you guys are doing it wrong. We literally did it on the mountain the other day, so I'm not judging anyone. I'm saying it's so easy to put into sixth gear and play church. Imagine your church had no walls. Imagine your church had no announcements. Imagine a church had worship, but it was just a guy on a guitar. Would God be honored? And so these are some of the questions we're asking. I'm not answering any of these questions. I'm just saying, when you think about church, and that's kind of where we're going tonight. Salt and light is uh, what we titled this um, message. So when I grew up, there were things in my life that was quite fixed, I knew it was, it was fixed. Um, the, one of those things was the springboks were literally the best thing on earth. And, oh, um, yes, thank you. Come on, boykies. That's why my voice is so hoarse, because I was like sc- screaming at y'all, screaming like a... So, so springboks was like the big thing. And the other big thing is my father is number one strongest person in the world. Like I know this, this is is not like I know it's truth, this is fixed. You see, in your life, um, and I say your life, thinking of us as, as pretty much very Western, our Western way of thinking is that you are who you are because of your choices, because of what you chose in this life. But The problem is that that's not necessarily true. There's a lot of who you are that you didn't choose. It's been chosen for you and it shapes you. You didn't choose which language you speak. It's kind of the one you had. You don't choose what your race or gender is. You don't choose what your it's what you've been dealt. And now you've got, even your birth order has an impact on who you are, like where you were born. Oh, I'm like the youngest. It has an effect on who you are and you didn't necessarily go, hey, I wanna. And so the, the thing is that in your life, you've got things that shaped you. There are lenses which you view the world through. Um, I thought my family was God's gift to family. I thought, you know, this is if you want to know how family, the force family. That's how family should be done. Um, and one of the big things that deeply shaped me was church is the worst church is the worst. It's the worst thing you can do. It is literally the necessary evil you do to martyr yourself to death because you're a Christian. And so if you're a Christian, you have to go to church. Otherwise you're a bad Christian and there's not much worse than being a bad Christian. So go to church, suck it up, shut your mouth and sit. And, and so what would happen to me in growing up is I hated church. I, I would go to church and be there and reluctantly sit there and I hate it. I hate it. And I would tell my parents, I hate this. I'm doing it and it's fine, but I hate this. I hate the fact that I grew up being a Christian. I told my dad one day, I wish I could make a decision for myself, you know, I wish my forefathers had a, like, had a brain and thought better. Why, why? And my dad said the one day, he said, You know that you can choose. You know that you don't have to be a Christian. You know that you've got a choice to follow Jesus. You've literally got the choice. I give you the choice right now. And I was like, Bye. And uh, <laughs> thank you. It was great, but no more. And I became an atheist immediately. Um, I was, and I was pulled into a bunch of things early on. We did church planting as well, and I was like a worship leader from 13 years old. And so I had all of the right words. I had all of the right things to say. Um, I thought the right way, but I didn't have a choice. And the moment I had a choice, I was like, I'm out. How many of us have actually thought about the fact that you can choose you know you don't have to be a Christian because, you, because of the color of your skin or where you grew up. You, know, you don't have to be a Christian because you're in Pretoria. I know that's kind of the vibe, but, but you don't have to. And um, you would ask the question then, what should Christians be like? Um, most Christians to me were super bad hypocrites. Um, And when I say most, I mean like by a long shot, not like by like a 60-40, like no, like Christians are the worst. Church is the worst and Christians are the worst. And so what would happen is that I would literally go look and search out, can I find a Christian that can actually look the way that the biblical narrative tells me? Can I find a Christian that looks like Jesus? You know, so many people would say, I love Jesus but Christianity, I don't like. Gandhi literally said, you know, and I'm terribly uh, misrepresenting his quote, but he kind of said something in the lines of, um, I like your Christ, but I hate you Christians. I don't like your people. I don't like your church. Your savior kind of looks like a legit guy, but the rest. And so Jesus, what am I supposed to be like? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to, how am I supposed to be? How, what am, help a brother out. Give me a scripture. Tell me how should I be. And so what Jesus does um, in the Sermon on the Mount in in the Bible is he starts off and he starts telling us how Christians should be. And so what I want us to do is I want us to jump into that scripture. There where you are, turn to one another. You're going to be about four or five people in a group. Let's make it three to four. Three to four people. Um, Just before you move, take a look around. Okay, if you don't want to be with someone, run away from them. <laughs> um, if, you're, if you're kind of new here and you're just visiting and you're alone, um, don't be alone. Quickly just find a little group, just be there. Um, you can move now. Move to one another. Once you, or while you are moving, I'll tell you where we're going. We're going to this scripture. So I want you to go to your Bible, you can go on your phone, you can go on your your physical Bible as well, you're going to Matthew 5, you can actually read verse 1 as well, it's just the Beatitudes first, and then you go to verse 11 to 16, that's what we're going to look at. After you read it, so maybe one person in the group, like read it aloud, that everyone can hear, then I want you guys to tell one another, what do you see? What stands out for you? What do you read there? What does it remind you of? Some super-Christians would say, what does the Holy Spirit whisper in your ear? <laughs> That's what you're gonna do right now, go there. All right, so let's, let's try, let's try, give, let's get some feedback. Let's try that group over there, that group. One of you guys, just give me something. What do you guys see? Let's listen up, friends. Okay, so basically, hi guys, I'm Armand. Good to meet you. Uh, so basically, what it means is uh, to be a Christian, you must live it out. You, don't, you you can't be fake. You have to be a witness for people. You have to be a, a living like example to live for Christ. Basically, yeah. Oh, that's good. Let's try. Um, let's try this group here. You guys are very Yo.
2: Um, Yeah, I think the first two scriptures um, are speaking of being persecuted and insulted and people doing evil against you. And I feel as humans and as believers, it humbles us because the first word says we are blessed. So for the moment, you know that you are blessed by being persecuted. They're not actually persecuting you but they're persecuting Christ. So it's not up to us and kind of like humbles us to like, it's not your war, it's not your fight. You don't have to fight back. And also while he was sharing, I also kind of like got a scripture when we were reading the other um, verses. Um, Well, not a scripture, a picture of a lighthouse. So a lighthouse shines or lights all the way and it rotates. And even through storms, it still lights. So when it says we are the light of the world, and we cannot put, like, it, it doesn't make sense to light a lamp and then cover it with a bowl. So even through storms of being persecuted as a believer, you still shine your light, you still represent your Christ.
1: Yeah, that's good, that's good. It's funny how they say it's, um, it's, it's not if you might get persecuted, say when you get persecuted, you know? Are, are you ready? Are you ready for the persecution? Do you, never, you even know what persecution is? You know, That's what I'm asking myself. Um, it's going to happen. And what should you do then? What should you think? Some good questions. Let's go to this small group over here. But I want you to share. <laughs> okay, okay. So
0: a point that she made that was like kind of stood out was that salt enhances enhances flavor, but it also preserves. So um, I think what we were getting at, it's like we as Christians, have to preserve our faith and preserve our kind of say image to the world as like the light of the light of the earth and guiding people and um, helping people, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So, so salt gives meat a taste, you know, it makes it taste better, it makes it taste savoury. Um, but then at the same time, especially in those times, they would use the salt to preserve something, which means to make it last longer. Anybody eat biltong? Okay, that's why we can eat this crazy raw meat that we, you know, it's like... Because it's, the salt actually, um, well, cleans out those um, the microorganisms that make the meat rot quicker. So, that is an interesting thought. If you are the salt, meaning that you should preserve, it's a beautiful thought thinking that Christians are some of the, uh, some of the people on earth, which is in, in the minority, that actually believe that their life is, is prolonged don't they? Life doesn't end at death. It'll be preserved. Now imagine that you as a Christian, your preservation power in someone's life gives them the opportunity for eternal life. Have you ever thought about it that way? Now, we're not saying that you save. No, Jesus saves, that's fine. But there's something about you and your your is plural there, by the way. It's not you as an individual; it's your as in believers. But we'll get to that in a moment. <clears throat> you have the opportunity to preserve someone's life, not just make their life taste better, uh, better, not just, but to preserve their life. There's even a story in the Bible where a guy is uh, um, he's he's uh, brought through the roof because he's. Um, uh, Let's um, paralysed the word. So he's paralysed, and he comes through the roof because he couldn't get to Jesus. And then Jesus looks up and he sees the friends. And then what Jesus says is, he looks at the friends and he says, "Your sins, singular, are forgiven because of their faith, or your plural faith." What he's saying is, this person's sins are forgiven because those friends believed. Isn't that crazy? People in the room are like, what now? Who can say that? No one can, you can't say that unless you're God. And what do they have to do with all of that? You can't do that. And then what the verse says, it says Jesus discerns what they are thinking. And he says, oh, well, is it, is it better for me to say, get up and walk? Is that what you actually wanna see? Is that actually what a miracle is? Oh, okay, then get up and walk because the sin forgiven is a much greater miracle than the actually walking. But the one is something he did to show the others, and the other one he did because of the faith of those friends. Are you preserving people around you's lives? By the way, you shine Christ. Let's maybe go for a big group that asked me the question, what do you guys think? Right so we actually did get exactly the same as you. <laughs> yes so he also mentioned that you should keep on shining in a dark world because we are in a dark world and it's said to be the light. But we must keep on being the light despite all the things happening. And what's important about that light is, is, what's the metaphor? It's a city on a hill. And when he says you should be like a city on a hill or a town on a hill, depending on your translation, he's he's not talking to the individual. He's talking to the church. And so the church, clearly talking to the church, how are you as an individual going to be a city on a hill? That's just ridiculous. So uh, it's a, he's talking to a group of people. He's saying, You bunch of Christians, you should shine your light like a city on a hill. And I mean, you can just imagine. Um, imagine how far you could see a city on a hill that's shining the light. People know where it is, so it points to something. And there's something about light. What does light do? Thanks hope yes but it's but just like basically like a, a, a f- why do i why would i want light to see right it illuminates is that a good thing or a bad thing both why both <laughs> <laughs> thanks bro why is it a good thing to see what do you think You can see the ugly, you can sort the ugly, that's good, I like that, you can see the ugly. I I actually shared this this morning, Uh, when I go to like the mall, which is never, and I uh, like go into like a, like some boutique or some like a Woolworths, when I walk in I instantaneously feel super dirty, I don't know about you guys, I walk in and I feel dirty, I feel like my clothes are just like. I'm here in Willy's now, I'm like, okay. I don't really know how to be, like I don't know where to put my hands, like. Um, I look in the mirrors of which there is like on every, just everywhere, you just can see yourself everywhere, from every angle, oh, I'm balding there, okay. <laughs> and, and and so you're super exposed because the light is shining the hell out of your soul, right? It's there, it's like, wah, wah. And so on the one side, it's nice to have light when there's darkness in your life. The other thing is, is when the light actually shines and everything is illuminated, everything's on the table, and you have to deal with it. You want to hear a marriage tip? I know you didn't ask, but I'm going to give it anyway. So a marriage tip is, if something is not on the table, you cannot deal with it. And so, if it's not said, it doesn't exist If it's not said, it does not exist. You cannot have an expectation about something that's not in the light. But let's superimpose this to Christianity. We as Christians, in one sense, we want to let Christ come and shine his light on us because it illuminates all the darkness out. But at the same time, when the light shines on us, what do people see? They see there where there's still darkness to be dealt with. And so when, we, when the Scripture says I, you sh- the light, you should be light, you should be very, very aware of your darkness, of how fallible you are, how desperately wicked you are, because you are desperately wicked. If you're not, you don't need a saviour. You know, the Bible actually says <clears throat> that a, a sick person needs a physician, Right? You're, not, you're going to go to the doctor if you're not sick. And so, if you say that Jesus must be your saviour, it means you need saving. And so, if the world needs Jesus, the world needs saving, and then at the same time, Jesus is involving us and pulling us in and saying, you, church, I want you to have a part here. I want you to... Be the tool that I use. Now, we're not saying something different from discipleship. So don't think like, because sometimes we get double-minded. We're like, okay, sermon, 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 discipleship. How did we get there? No, 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 It, it all makes sense in the way Jesus was doing. What Jesus was saying is he's saying, I want you to be salt and light, you church, salt and light to the world so that you as a community can shine to the people outside and invite people into community you cannot be a christian if you don't do it as part of a church or as part of a community now look we can say as part of a church we can say but it doesn't really matter the point is that you jesus very seldomly calls individuals to do his work he calls a community, whether that be the, 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 the apostle community, whether it be the disciple community, whether it be the, all the just normal Christians like you and I. Do you know how you plant a church in Rittondale? Is you don't go and get some rock and roll preacher and you get a bunch of sound and you rock up in the park and you're like, oh yeah, come follow Jesus, throw out what would Jesus do band's. That's not how it works. How you plant a church, and this is not just how you do it in Rittendale. This is how you do it. This is how Jesus was doing it, was when the church started reaching out. Do you know why we grew? And I think if I look at your stats, I think you guys grew in COVID as well. The reason why churches grow and why we grew in COVID was not because the power of the pulpit was on this side. It's because the power of the pulpit is on that side. And it says that the church is busy doing the church's work, and not so much a select few running around and doing things, but the everyday you and I, salt and light. I want to bring you back to a story. So... I had a friend that I grew up with um, as a young boy. The friend's name was Simon. Uh, I met him when I was six years old, five, six years old. And he lived next door. He used to jump onto the uh, Vibercrete wall and then he would call, call me. Um, we took some of those slabs out of the Vibercrete and you know, so that we can go to and fro. And we were best friends all the way up till I was 13 years old. Um, he was a Jewish boy with blonde hair, blue eyes, German. So, if that doesn't confuse you, he used to think about God, and he would talk about God, but he would never say God's name, so he'd always just point. So he'd say, you know, we should do so and so because he's watching, you know. Because he can't say God, can't say his name, that's dishonoring. So he's just... And he wasn't necessarily this devout Jew, they weren't really practicing it, but for the most part, that was kind of, and he had this thing that he used to say to me, he used to say that I'm the worst Christian he's ever met because I'm just so bad, I'm just so naughty and all of those things. Um, Let me just check my time, I want to tell you a story. I'll tell you a story. I'll just tell you, it's a random story. It has nothing to do with Jesus, but it's a great story. All right, so uh, Simon and I, we dug this deep hole because we want to dig down to China, classic. And so we, in Cape Town, and in Cape Town, the water um, table is high enough that if you dig down about two meters, you hit the first water table. And so we're digging down um, this hole. We're six, seven years old and we're digging, and um, at some stage we hit um, all of these roots and stuff, and so most of the roots we could break, da- break off, but there was this really big root that we couldn't break, and so we dug around it, and it kind of was just there, halfway down into this hole, and we went down about three meters, which is like a ceiling, and so it was really deep, and for us being kids, we had a whole like bucket rope system, you know, fill the bucket, bucket goes out, come bucket in, and we would... So we did this, and it was amazing. We didn't find China, and we decided we're going to cover the hole, um, but with sticks and stuff, sticks, and then all of these big uh, fig tree leaves, uh, rubber boom blader. And so we put it on top, and then what we would do is we'd take sand and throw it on top so that you can't see that there's a hole. I promise you, you cannot see there's a hole. It is amazing how you can be creative and do that. And so what happened is while we were playing, um, we were playing a different game. We kind of forgot about the hole. And so I was busy with a stick and I was drawing a line in the sand and I was running like this. And Simon was crawling and he's, you know, discarding the line. He's breaking up the line that I'm making. And I'm going and I'm like, oh, let's see what you do over the hole. And then I go over the hole and I know where it is. And so I make it over the hole and I go back. And he's coming and he's wiping away and he falls into the hole head first and breaks his crown with down on the root, that's halfway down, all four teeth, three, four teeth. Um, two, three of them he swallowed and the one he, he actually had with him. And so this happened, lots of blood, screaming, it's absolute can- anarchy, and I go call my dad, he comes out, we get, oh sorry, he calls his mom, she comes out, um, and we, get him to the hospital, but it was such a crazy moment that it's literally, get him out of the hole, his mom's there, they jump in the car, they leave. And here I am. I'm like, all right, well, let's cover the hole. Um, <laughs> so I cover the hole with the leaves and I do the, you know, the sand and all of that, and I'm like, okay, well, cool, uh, we'll talk later. And as I get home, I ask my dad, um, or, or I tell my dad what happened. And um, we go over, and the, his mom, Simon's mom, she wants to see what happened. Where, where, where did this, this happen? And we're like, oh, I'll show you. It's here. There's a hole. And then she falls down the hole and breaks her knee. Um, and my dad had to get her out. And there's lots, lots more on that story. But the point is, he, he says, you are the worst Christian. And you are just... You're just the abomination of God. And so, this lens, what was fixed to me, was that Christians couldn't have an impact on, my, on, on me. People won't want to follow Jesus because of me. And so what I want to say to you is that it's not just a nice-to-have Jesus will follow people because of you. It's a must. It should happen. You are supposed to be salt and light. You are called to be that to every, I almost want to say, living thing. Every friend you have, every colleague you have, every family member, they should never look at you and say, are you, I can't remember, are you a Christian? What are you, like a Buddhist? What are you? You know They shouldn't wonder, they should know what you are, and not just they know, because it's not so much about just telling people you're a Christian because that's just a bit obnoxious. It's telling people about Jesus and about how their life will change, and I promise you their life will change. My life changed. And I won't tell you guys now how it happened, but it did happen within community. I didn't become a Christian because one person was constantly reaching out to me. I became a Christian because my community became Christians, and I was like, I'm out. Constant people kept on ministering to me. If you think people come to Christ because of one person, one day, one time, you make a big mistake. In this life, the scripture actually says, sometimes there's a guy that gives the plant water. Sometimes there's a guy that trims the leaves. Sometimes there's a guy that digs the hole, but only God makes it grow. Only God makes this plant grow. And so I want to encourage you, you be salt and light. If you are not rewarded by people around you all turning to Christ spontaneously, Don't worry, you be salt and light. You shine Jesus, you be Jesus on their lips. You you make their lives more savory, more salty, better. You make their lives more, um, expand the longevity to their lives, shine the light and so that Jesus might be glorified. If you ever wanna know how does this church grow It doesn't grow by what we do to entertain people. It really doesn't. Church grows when the church takes ownership of their community and they are Jesus for everyone outside, pulling people in. You thought that you were discipled by only one person. Don't make a mistake. You are discipled by everyone in church, every leader. Discipleship is not a one-way street, me and you doing the one-to-one. That is a ridiculous way of thinking about discipleship. Discipleship is when a community comes in the honor of Jesus and people are discipled. That doesn't take away that we purposefully disciple people. That doesn't take away that we walk a road with a friend, no matter how hard it is, and instill biblical foundation doesn't take that away. But you would be making a mistake if you think people become Christ followers only from their own choice. There are hundreds of things that they didn't choose that's chosen for them in this life. And God calls out to everyone. Bible says, his hand is not too short to grab. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Not God loved the Christians. Not God loved those guys that in the end would turn to him. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Did you know that Jesus literally died on the cross, even if you don't accept it? Even if you look at that story and think it's ridiculous, Jesus did it for you. Jesus did it for them. We need to be salt and light and keep on reminding people that Jesus is there for them, He loves them, He wants to know them, He wants to pursue them, He wants a relationship with them, and that will not happen exclusively from somebody preaching it aloud, somebody hearing a verse on the radio. It's going to happen from the church, and I I know I'm reiterating this from every side, Repetition is the mother of learning. All right, let me end it there. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the amazing privilege that you've given to us. No matter our uh, personality, no matter if we're shy, no matter if we don't know many people, no matter if we haven't spoken to people, no matter if, if we're sometimes a bit awkward, but you've chosen us to be salt and light you've chosen us to be the catalysts for your kingdom in this on this earth Lord, may we never be known as terrible Christians. May we never be known as hypocrites. May we never be known as lazy people that don't want to do your work. May we be known as, as people that are on fire for you, fervently running around, and, and not like, um, like a bunch of madmen. No, as people with a purpose, as not only a congregation of people that are caring together, but as an army Fighting a war that we know is actually already won by you. And so this war is not our war to wage, fighting and there's flesh and blood that's hurt. No, there's a spiritual war. And pull us, Lord, pull us into this, pull us into this, as you've always done. Pull us in, make us part. We are ready. Holy Spirit, give us what we need. every bit of the armor. I pray right now, Lord, for every person that's been on the fence, that's never known how to do this, may you give them uh, apostolic power. May you give them um, a fervor and a will to do this more than ever before. May you give them a name, may you give them a face, and may you give them an opportunity. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.